Thanks for joining me again on this episode of the Men of Iron podcast. My name is Jeff Reimold, and I am the Chief Executive Mentor located here at our headquarters in Mannheim, Pennsylvania. We're on the last episode of a three-part series where we're digging into some of the stories from my previous mentors and pulling key attributes for successful mentorships. If you were able to tune into either of the last two episodes, then you can begin to understand why mentorships are so important to me. There's no question that I've been very positively impacted by the mentors in my life. In fact, I would say that every single aspect of my life has been impacted by these men. In response to all this positive impact in my life, I'm so thankful to be at a place now where I'm able to be the one investing in others. While diving into these experiences, I've offered a couple of challenges that hopefully you've been able to think through and begin to implement. For protégés, I've been recommending praying about getting into a mentor relationship or going to menofiron.org to our free base camp resources to sign up for a man's game plan because it's such a great precursor to our Strong 27 mentorship program. For mentors, these challenges have been around implementing the mentorship characteristics we've pulled from these stories. If you've not been sure how important they are or aren't sold on how much they'll impact your mentorship relationships, then I encourage you to listen as I go a little deeper. Faith is at the center of everything we do here at Men of Iron, and with that in mind, today I want to shift from talking about my past mentorship experiences to looking into Scripture to find these same characteristics are present and what this should look like as we live it out. Over the last 8 to 10 years, I've been spending the vast majority of my devotional time in the Gospels, trying to research and learn more about what made Jesus such a great leader, because leadership development is such a passion of mine. Through that process, I've looked at Jesus' interaction with the disciples through a whole new lens. To impart so much into his disciples that he would lead a charge risking persecution and eventually death while spreading the gospel is a major success. Dare I even say that it's the best example of mentorship anyone has ever seen. Now, when we look deeper into these characteristics, we can see how Jesus used those same things as examples for his disciples during his time investing in them. I'm going to spend the next few minutes quickly going through these eight points. You may recall the first story I shared a couple of episodes ago about how Dennis created an environment of grace and forgiveness. God's grace is freely extending undeserved favor to an individual that cannot be earned. My favorite example of this is when the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman to Jesus that had been caught in the act of adultery that they intended to stone to death. He said to them, which one of you is without sin and wants to cast the first stone? Of course, there was nothing they could do in response to that. So one by one, they left. The thing is, that according to the Mosaic law that they had been living by for centuries, it was lawful for her to be stoned to death. However, in that moment, Jesus offered her intense grace when he told her to go and sin no more. We talk about forgiveness. I don't want to minimize the core reconciliation that occurred through Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection, but there were some powerful mentorship moments throughout his life that showed the disciples forgiveness was at the core of who Jesus was as a man. I mean, when Jesus used the moments before his death to pray, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing about the very people who were killing him. 
Aside from forgiving our sins, this is the purest example of sincere forgiveness I've ever heard. We could talk about this all day, but I want to keep things moving. So next I talked about my experience with Roger. He showed me an awakening moment that I wasn't expecting and inspiration that I didn't feel before. That awakening moment was like a calling to me to pursue something that I didn't even realize existed inside of me. The same is true for the moment when Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee when he noticed two fishermen, Peter and Andrew. He simply said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Similarly to the simplicity that Roger used with me, Jesus makes a seemingly simple request that sparked them so deeply that they stopped fishing right then and there to begin following him. Throughout the three-year ministry of Jesus, he invested so heavily into his disciples. He knew that he only had a short time with them, so he showed them how to interact with people in order to effectively share what it looks like to have a relationship with God for themselves. The disciples learned so much over this time and were so deeply inspired by him that they each accepted the challenge that Jesus gave them right before his ascension when he said to them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. It's truly amazing that after all this time has passed, we are still proclaiming the gospel today. That inspiration the disciples felt is the same inspiration that we're feeling. Finally, last episode, I shared my experience with the two Phils. The first Phil was from Sight and Sound, and he showed me such great examples of grit and resilience during the 2008 financial crisis. Grit and resilience are so often that they go hand in hand. When I look at Jesus as he was working to accomplish his mission on earth, I clearly see him showing that kind of grit that is displayed through courage and resolve. Seemingly at every turn, the opposing powerful religious scribes, Pharisees, and Sadducees wanted to squash his attempts to show the people a new way to connect with God. At the same time, his resilience or capacity to withstand their blatant attempts to stone him several times prior to his crucifixion never slowed him down a bit. In fact, if you look at it deeper, you'll see that generally he would skip out so they couldn't stone him and would go to the next town to do even more impressive miracles somewhere else. This would have been obvious to to the disciples and they would have had their own amount of pressure from this because they were so closely connected to him. I could see them talking about it after escaping a stoning. They were probably thinking about how close it was and how it didn't slow them down at all. After Jesus' ascension, the disciples had to go into hiding because the same religious leaders were clearly trying to kill all the momentum that Jesus had created, but even in their hiding, the early church was formed and continued spreading. If you ask me, that's true grit and resilience. Finally, the second Phil, Pastor Phil, he showed me how to deeply care and how important getting to know people is in order to have a true impact on them. The very fact that Jesus gave up his heavenly position to come to earth to be brutally murdered in an effort to reconnect God's creation to himself is the greatest form of care that you could ever display. There is a particular story, though, that showed the disciples just how much Jesus cared. At one point, there was a large crowd surrounding Jesus because they were so captivated by what he was saying and doing that they stayed there for three days. At this point, there were thousands of people gathered. 
Jesus wanted to move on, but he was so moved by them that he performed one of his most amazing miracles. He said to his disciples that he had compassion for the people because they had been there for that long and didn't eat anything. Jesus ends up feeding all the people in the crowd with plenty of leftovers simply because he genuinely cared for their well-being. Obviously, over a three-year period with the same people, you get to know them pretty well. But what we don't often consider is that Jesus knew them deeply before he ever called them to join him. He knew each of the 12 who accompanied him on his journey, but we see that he pulled three of them out for a closer relationship. I believe he did that because he knew how they were wired and what drove them. He could foresee that they would be tested as they carried the mantle of the new church. He even told Peter that he would build his church on him, the rock. Peter, the rock. He wouldn't have done that if he didn't really know the makeup of Peter as a man. Now, men, I know I flew through these eight characteristics and that it may require a replay, but my hope is that you heard something that Jesus did with his disciples that calls you to step up to the adventure in front of you. If we're Christ followers, we should be seeking to produce fruit in our life that emulates and glorifies God. What I hope you've heard in this podcast is that Jesus was intentionally investing in these men, calling them up to a higher standard for a bigger purpose. Here at Men of Iron, we feel called to do the same. That's why our Strong 27 Mentorship Program is so focused on a faith-centered, balanced life with the intention of impacting a man to be one step closer to who God created him to be. I hope you're inspired by this, and if so, please go out to our website at menofiron.org and sign up for our Strong 27 Mentorship Program. We carefully and intentionally find you a mentor or protege who will journey with you through this next season. Now, it's been a blast being able to share with you over these past few episodes, but stay tuned for next week when Tony Galati, our iron rep here in Lancaster, PA, shares some great insights on the topic of relationships. May God touch you as you consider your next step in pursuit of him. Peace and God bless. (laughs) 